The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is Wednesday, January 18th, which might come into play. It depends. This case is a big ongoing one that we're going to talk about. Um, today, we're going to talk about the case of Anna Walsh and her husband, Brian Walsh, who um, has been arrested for her murder. Finally, it's one we've been posting a lot about on Instagram. And I think a lot of people have been following along with it and wanted us to do an episode because there's some crazy background information on this case that it's it's a lot to get into but before we get into that what's going on with you we're recording a day early because you have a a big uh yeah so we're coming to the end of our summer vacation here like summer holidays the kids go back to school in about i don't know 10 days or something like that so we are heading away today um with i think eight other families so i think there's 34 of us um we've rented i think i've spoken about it before but there's an area here called the hunter valley which is kind of like the napa valley it's like a wine region um, so we've rented kind of a big property up there, a big lodge type property. So <laughs> should yeah. be very interesting. There'll be a ton of kids, a ton of adults. The weather isn't amazing today. Like it's raining. At, it's not pouring, but it's raining, but it's 90% humidity. <laughs> mm. I feel like my face is melting off, but for the rest of the days, it seems like it'll be all right. Not maybe not amazing, but it should be fine. So have you done this this trip with these people at this location no, before? Or? No, I've done girls trips with kind of the ladies, with most, most of the ladies today, but um, I've never done the whole family trip. They often go camping, which is Ugh. possibly not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anytime they've always gone, we've just never been able to make it for whatever reason. So this time, and it was actually quite lucky because they were originally planning to go over New Year, which if they did that, that was when I had COVID. So it actually worked out pretty well that we are all able to go. And as far as I know, everyone can still make it today. So that's good news. So hmm. yeah, that'll be interesting. I'll report back next week. Yeah, you'll have to report how it goes <laughs> next time. Oh my goodness. I know it's good. Like I'm just preparing for chaos and then I figure it should be fine. <laughs> I feel like it's it's good that there's so many people too, because then if anyone does kind of annoy you, it's like you can kind of easily avoid them. Yeah, yeah, true. And because there's like the house, well, when I say a house, I think there's like actually three kind of houses on the property. There's like one property. really, yeah, one really big house. And then I'm in kind of a smaller house with two families that I know well. And then there's like another really small house. So there is like enough space for everyone. Um, not not everyone's going to be like on top of each other all in the same room so hopefully it Mm. should be good Hmm. what's happening with you um not as exciting as (laughs) usual but I was I know last episode I said that um at the end I felt bad if I had like a low energy because I wasn't feeling well um I was having like I had a headache literally for a week straight like Monday through Friday and it's finally started letting up then on Friday but I finally went to the doctor and I'm the type of person where like I have to be dying to go to the doctor because I just don't want to pay for it but so before this I hadn't had a physical or anything forever and then so I went to that doctor got really no answers about the headache so I was like great thank you Um, (laughs) thanks for that (laughs) yeah they're like well you could be dehydrated and I was like well no shit (laughs) of course I'm dehydrated I don't drink water ever (laughs) and then I went 
and so they took my blood pressure then and it was like low and they're like do you normally have low blood pressure i was like i don't know you tell me so then i had a different doctor's appointment yesterday that's i go to an endocrinologist because i have a i have hypothyroidism but and also just side note i had to make an appointment for yesterday in october that's how long it took to actually be seen it's ridiculous i know it's crazy but anyways, so they took my blood pressure again, and it was even lower. So they're like, what's up? You have low blood pressure. So I'm just a low blood pressure bitch, I guess. I don't know. I would have thought yeah. I'd have high blood pressure. Can they even do anything for low blood pressure? It might be a dumb question. I know, but can they? I have no idea either. But hmm. he was like, he was like, I mean, you're young, and it's not really like low enough where it has to be like, there has to be like intervention. But they're like, it could make you tired. And I was like, well, I am actually always tired like i sleep at least seven to eight hours a night most of the time and i'll still like i just napped before this i got home at like 4 30 and then i napped for like 10 minutes and then got in the shower to record i do love sleeping as well i could sleep at least nine hours every single night if i could <laughs> yeah like i love it i used to have a lot of problems sleeping but now i'm just so tired all the time which isn't a good thing either i guess but i don't know i guess i'm just so chill that I have low blood pressure. <laughs> well, at least so you're feeling better anyway. Hopefully that keeps going. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if anyone cares, that's my my update on my health. <laughs> Everybody cares. <laughs> if anyone has low blood pressure, like let me know what to do because so far all I have is like drink water. I feel like, every, like that's the answer to a lot of things. Just drink it water. Is. You'll be fine. <laughs> I've got a headache. Drink water. I don't feel well. Drink water. I always say that to my kids too. They're like, I've got a sore stomach. I'm like, have you had a drink of water? <laughs> Mike is always on my case about drinking water because I really don't drink enough water, but he's like haunts me about it. <laughs> but yeah, so glad I paid however much money because I have shitty health insurance to be told to drink water. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so. Uh, oh, and then last night since... I took off work yesterday to go to the doctor because it was like at 11 a.m., which is like a shitty time. But like I said, I booked it months ago, so I like really couldn't be um, a choosing beggar. So I just took what I could get. But since I was home already and Mike got home from work kind of earlier than normal, we took a, a random trip to Massachusetts, like two hours away to go to a brewery. <laughs> so it was a big day yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Very long day. Yeah. And then I had two like 8% beers and I was like, hmm, it's Tuesday. <laughs> they live once <laughs> that's what i told myself because my mom was like you're crazy why would you go to massachusetts on tuesday and i was like i gotta live it up while i can <laughs> so yeah sounds like fun yeah and very timely considering where this today's case is in massachusetts yeah i know i didn't <laughs> i don't think i was near there because i think it's like near boston-ish right i think so i'm not too familiar with the area but i'm pretty sure it is i would see a post on like boston news and stuff okay, like that but yeah. I was a little far off from there so but it was funny to pretend that I was going for that reason <laughs> Close just to do a quick live <laughs> I'm in the right state so <laughs> closer than most people so the other thing that's kind of happened today which was a little bit unexpected because I thought it was meant to all be sealed until March but mm-hmm. they've released the search warrant documents for Brian Koberger's apartment in the Moscow case. It's 49 pages. The whole thing is on our stories. Look under the Moscow 5 highlight if you want to read it, and I'll put it on the blog too. But basically, they've listed a bunch of things that they took from his apartment. I'll just read them out because the list isn't particularly long, but they're interesting. It says, one nitrite-type black glove, one Walmart receipt with one Dickies tag, 
two Marshall's receipts, a dust container from Bissell Powerforce Vacuum, eight possible hair strands, one fire TV stick with cord and plug, one possible animal hair strand, then at least uh, four possible, like it says, one possible hair strand times four. So I'm assuming they may be different color hair because that's why they're listed separately maybe. That's my thinking. Mm. Um, One computer tower, one collection of a dark red spot collected without testing. I'm not entirely sure what that means. Two two cuttings from an uncased pillow of reddish-brown stain, Two top and bottom of mattress cover packaged separately, both labelled C, multiple stains. So interesting could be. Um, one kind of speculation that I've seen online is that the Dickies tag from Walmart, like I guess it could be many things because I know Dickies makes a bunch of clothing and I think they make shoes and all that too, but they do make kind of the boiler suits, you know, the dark all-in-one boiler suits so I wonder if that could have been what he was wearing on the night possibly like especially because they've noted the Dickies tag like I feel like that must have some significance maybe they did they said he was wearing like all black I remember yep yep so if he was wearing and that someone also speculated which I thought was quite clever about why then he didn't have the knife sheath on his belt because he essentially didn't have you know a waistband or a belt to put it on if he wore what something like that. if that's the case. Like. <laughs> so dumb. You can read, well, we won't go through the whole documents, but you can read online. But there is one interesting bit. I'll just read it out. It says, the King Road residence contained a significant amount of blood from the victims, including spatter and cast off, um, which makes it likely that this evidence was transferred to Brian's person, clothing or shoes. Um, and then it talks that they would likely have also skin cells or hair from the victims or from the dog. And people, like I've seen other things online too where they're like, but the dog doesn't shed. And I'm like, even if it's a low-shedding oh dog, every single dog in the world can drop hair. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. very much hair, but it, one, and they've said they've got one strand of hair from the dog that they found in his apartment. So, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I, I don't – and I like a lot of people are like, why have they released this? I don't know. I don't know if it was a leak or – um, but the guy who I've just kind of quoted, he's from the New York Times, so it's a legitimate source. Um, he was the one. I think who it definitely wasn't supposed document. to be unsealed. Yeah, <laughs> I hope it's not an error. Because um, there's like but, a gag order, but yeah, but maybe it's not. Like I feel like it's not really that important. Like detrimental. Well, no, and like they didn't say like they didn't like for example they didn't say they found clothes belonging to Kaylee or Maddie like and these things could yeah. have come from anywhere the could, the hair could be from past tenants in the house maybe he's just filthy which is why he has a stained mattress like there's you know they may not be related to the crime which maybe it's is why it's been released yeah I don't know guess we'll find out so yeah but if you want to read the whole thing click on the Moscow Five highlight on our Instagram or have a look on the blog. So today we are going to talk about the Brian and Anna Walsh case. Like I said at the start, um, I think a lot of people are really following that one along. If we were saying early on, and especially even now more so, it reminded us both of the Jennifer Dulos case. Oh, and I've um, had so many messages from other people who are like, it reminds me so much. And I don't know if it's just similar, I don't know, circumstances. But it, I, yeah, I think it's very similar. I think it's like a similar smug asshole husband. Yeah. But I do think Fotis was maybe like a little smarter. <laughs> Fotis was Jennifer's <laughs> husband. I feel like this guy is is maybe the dumbest criminal I've ever come across. One of it would be, have to be up there. Fotis yeah, like, was definitely not this dumb. No, like they are both equally smug, it seems. But Fotis was not like Googling these wild things <laughs> that are basically like, 
I murdered my wife in my basement. Google. <laughs> yeah, just just making a record of it. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he's either never ever seen one true crime thing in his life or he's just so smug and arrogant that he thinks yes. no one would have ever found out. Yeah, I feel like we talk about that a lot with cases with like the husband killing the wife. I know in the It's Always the Husband episodes we've done, we've definitely talked about how like these people are just like so smug and really think they'll get away with it and then they just don't even try it seems. Or they even, like, just give themselves away. I feel like Brian, which we'll get into his life, but he's lived his whole life being so being so entitled and, like, yeah. it seems like he's got a massive chip on his shoulder and just this unfounded arrogance. So it's not really surprising. Well, it is a little bit still, and I think, what was he doing? But I feel, I feel like he really thought that he could just get away with it. And, like, he's not good-looking to be this <laughs> smug. He, yeah, he's absolutely not. And she, like, Anna was. And she's so pretty, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, very successful. Like, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe he pulled the wool over her eyes, and she. Anyway, we'll get into it. But I feel like that might be what happened. Maybe he was funny. That's how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get into this story. Prosecutors did reveal a lot of new evidence in court today. They say that Brian Walsh killed his wife, dismembered her body, and then tried to cover up the murder. It's particularly bad for him. Legal analysts say the murder case appears strong, if largely circumstantial. And key are the many grisly internet searches prosecutors say Brian Walsh did on his son's iPad. Can you be charged with murder without a body? How to stop a body from decomposing? Can you identify a body with broken teeth? Hacksaw, best tool to dismember. It completely blows up his story about what happened. Prosecutors say Walsh did some of those searches early New Year's Day, more than an hour before he claims to have last seen his wife. Investigators also outlined physical evidence found, two knives and blood in the basement of the family's home, along with Anna's blood at a trash facility near his mom's home, where he was allegedly seen dumping trash bags. Anna was born Anna Krip in Belgrade, Serbia, in Brian came from a prominent family. His father was a neurologist named Thomas Walsh. Brian's mother, she is a woman named Diana Walsh. Some reports say that Anna and Brian met when she cleaned his apartment, but other reports say that they met at the hotel that she used to work at. So not really sure exactly what the story is. We've heard a few discrepancies about that, but somehow they met. And in 2021, she wrote a letter to someone that said, it was love at first sight for me, and I feel the same way about Brian to this day. She wrote that letter to a judge kind of pleading for leniency in, in a legal matter for Brian. So that's uh, kind of the context for that. I was going to say, who writes a letter in 2021? <laughs> well, because we get into it a bit later, so I didn't kind of yeah. go into too much. I just thought that was kind of interesting to put in there about their apparent relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we will look into Brian's life over the past few years now. Um, Like I mentioned at the start, there's just a lot of random shit going on with his life, (laughs) to say the least. And I feel like not all of it, too, is validated, but it's been reported. So, yeah, I'm not – yeah, it is very random. Yeah, and just as another side note, like people like to try to correct us on things or tell us we're wrong, but we do research. We're not just like – we don't just say this stuff for the fun of it. Like, it's reported in the news somewhere. So if you have a problem with something, 
It's in the news somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> and I always, too, I put every single source on the blog for the case. So like when I do the notes, I have the notes and then next to it, I have where it came from. So if you need to ever want to go and read more about where this stuff comes from, you can go and check out all the sources on the blog. Yeah. If you ever want to write an angry letter about something. <laughs> Um, okay, so Brian's relationship with his father seemed like it was pretty volatile. A friend has been quoted in the media saying that Thomas Walsh, the dad, told him that Brian had been a long-term patient at Austin Riggs Psychiatric Center in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and that he'd been diagnosed as a sociopath. So when Brian was let out of that facility after about 12 years or so of no contact with his father, um, his, he tried to reach out to him, I guess, and his dad turned him down. And apparently he said to him, you're my son and I will always hope for the best for you, but I do not want to re-engage. If I did, I know that I would be letting mayhem back into my life and I can't have that. So this information comes from an article by Boston 25 News. It says, Brian Walsh conned his father Thomas out of a large sum of money through an elaborate real estate scam. A friend said Brian then disappeared from his father's life. Um, They said his dad never heard from him after that. His father was never the same after that. So in 2014, Anna and Brian were dating at this point. We don't know exactly when they met. Um, We haven't really been able to find that. But it says in 2014, Anna filed a report with Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police on August 2nd, 2014. They said that an unnamed suspect made a statement over the telephone that he was going to kill Anna and her friend. So while the report doesn't name Brian as a suspect, Metro DC police confirmed to people that he is the person associated with the complaint. The case was closed because Anna didn't want to cooperate, didn't want to cooperate. And I guess she in the end didn't want to press charges against him. So she they didn't move forward with the investigation. So kind of interesting because to file a report, but then have the suspect not be named. I know it seems like a strange process. Like, how can you do oh. anything against an unnamed suspect? Could it have been, like, redacted? I don't know. They said they did say, like, unnamed. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. Could be. Anna and Brian got married in Serbia in 2015. They lived with their three boys who are aged six, four, and two in Cahasset, Massachusetts. So as some background into the area in, um, in a Coldwell Banker survey, Cahasset, ranked as the 18th most expensive area to live in with an average house price of $923,000. So Cahasset is a small area with a population of around 8,500 people. And in 2016, Brian was arrested. This is where it's like just the most random twist ever. Well, he's yeah, it's, he's already been in a mental psych- psychiatric facility for a decade apparently, and now and now this is yeah, another twist. And now he gets out and gets involved in some art fraud. So, in 2016, Brian was arrested in connection with an $80,000 art fraud of Andy Warhol paintings. He was ordered by a court to remain under house arrest until sentencing. According to a U.S. Attorney's Office District of Massachusetts press release, Brian took art from a friend, falsely offered the authentic Warhol paintings for sale on eBay, but delivered fake paintings to the buyer instead. According to WFXT-TV, the buyer was revolver. The buyer was revolver. I can't say it. The buyer was revolver gallery owner Ron Rivlin. The gallery's website touts itself as the world's largest gallery-owned Andy Warhol collection. He told WFXT, 
I've bought over a thousand Warhols, and this is the only this is the one and only acquisition that got by me. He was that good. Clever playbook and Oscar worthy performance. Um, he also said at first Brian was charismatic, articulate, and professional, but after the transaction, Brian was unreach- unreachable until the FBI got involved. Then he would only cooperate when he was forced to. He also said, What happened to me is the telling of Brian's masterful ability to coerce and deceive people. So Brian pled guilty to that as part of a plea deal in 2021. The deal involved no jail time, but he had to either return the stolen paintings or pay restitution for them. Uh, Rivlin, the gallery owner, said that he was unable to get his full money back from Brian, but he just wants to see justice for his crime. I think just kind of as a note on that, part of the uh, fraud plea deal, he was on house arrest. I have read he also had to wear an ankle monitor as part of that as well. So if you have seen, you know, comments in the media that Brian was on house arrest, it was for that art fraud case. Brian's father, Thomas, died in India in 2018. Thomas and Brian were still estranged at the time. Thomas's attorney informed Brian about the death. Legal documents show Brian asked for a key to his late father's $710,000 beachfront property in Hull, Massachusetts. Brian is alleged to have then raided the home, and he apparently took thousands of dollars worth of art and luxury items, including paintings by Salvador Dali and Joan Miro, as well as a car. (laughs) Really went to town. (laughs) Yeah, nothing like raiding your dead father's house. (sighs) Brian also allegedly tried to sell his father's home for $140,000 more than it was worth after he was wrongly named the executor of the will. Like, this guy just... Ballsy. (laughs) But also, like, what are the chances he accidentally... The scumbag gets named accidentally the executor of the will? Like, of course... Um, The discrepancies were only caught after his cousin, who had actually been named the executor of Thomas's will, contacted a friend of his uncle's in 2019, and that's how he discovered that his uncle, or Brian's father, had passed away. So details from an affidavit in relation to the will dispute have been released. Um, The affidavit said, Brian is not only a sociopath, but is also a very angry and physically violent person. So, seems like he has a history. Yeah. Yeah. Of just being garbage. So you might be wondering how Brian managed to live this seemingly affluent lifestyle. And friends have told the media he used to host dinners that would cost more than $20,000. And his story was that he made money creating a software program in college. Brian's LinkedIn profile says he is the CFO of something called Let's Leadership and Effective Teamwork Strategies which doesn't seem to have much of a footprint online, so it doesn't really seem like it exists, basically. (laughs) Um, His LinkedIn also shows that he was the CFO of Capital Letters Consulting, which, again, has no real presence online. So I can only assume they don't really exist. I'm so interested to know, there must be other stuff going on for him to have had this lifestyle for, you know, at least a decade. You know, I don't know, I'll be interested to see what comes out, because essentially it doesn't seem like he had a proper job for a very long time. No, and I'm sure she made decent money, but I think her her kind of career progression was gradual. Like on her LinkedIn, it, she yeah. started out as a server, I believe, and um, like a cleaner. Now she moved up. Like she was quite successful at the time she disappeared, but I feel like it was a, a you know a gradual process. She, and she doesn't sound like she came from family money, so no. I, I wonder how he was funding this lifestyle until she started earning good money. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he did just have money put away, maybe from like if his family was wealthy, like my grandparents when they Mm, passed away. Like his dad seems pretty wealthy to have 
Salvador Dali paintings and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could it could just be old generational money, I guess. Yeah. So in recent times, Anna got a job in March of 2022 as the regional general manager for real estate firm Tishman Speyer. Um, the job was based in Washington, D.C., which meant that Anna would have to commute from Massachusetts to Washington, D.C., which is a pretty big commute. One of her friends had been chatting with us on Instagram and said that Brian and Anna had two homes, one in Cahasset and another in D.C. So, I mean, maybe she could work remote sometimes. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know the details of her job. but So in the summer of 2022, Anna wrote a letter to a federal judge. This is the one that we mentioned earlier seeking leniency for Brian in relation to the art fraud case. She told the judge how much joy and comfort Brian brought to the family while he had been on house arrest. She wrote, During these eight months, our family was able to be together during many of the milestones. Our youngest son turned one. Our middle son started to speak. And our eldest son, who had just started kindergarten when we saw you last, is now only a few weeks away from completing the year and preparing for first grade. He also lost his first tooth. So I think Anna's main source of social media was her Instagram. It's still up there. It's still public. Um, It says her bio says, confident, generous, loving leader, serving those I lead. So if you scroll through it, it's just basically her. She's got photos of a Christmas tree or like of an airplane wing when she's traveling once. There's some food pics, a lot of photos of her sons. They're very cute, very sweet. I feel horrible for them. This has all happened. Um, yeah. Interestingly, I found there's not many photos of Brian, um, which, you know, I know some people don't post photos of their partner, but like I'm still scrolling now while we're talking. Um, I'm just trying to find the most, the first photo. There's one photo of him from. I think it was like a birthday. Yeah, April 2020. So that was the last time she posted anything about Brian. And before that, there were a few of him. So it seems like over the past few years, there's definitely been less with Brian. Yeah which is interesting. Her, yeah, her, her Instagram was started in 2013, so she's definitely been more active on it over the past few years. Okay, so we'll now get into the timeline of her disappearance. What we know is that she was last seen alive on January 1st, 2023, so New Year's Day. Brian and Anna had dinner with a friend on New Year's Eve until around 1.30 a.m. on January 1st. Anna tried to contact her family overseas around 1 a.m. Her mother said that she called me again at 1 a.m. and I missed the call. She called her she called her elder sister who was also asleep. Then she tried to call her maid of honor who didn't hear the phone because of the loud music. And now I regret not getting the phone because she's disappeared. So I don't don't know if she was calling for help or just for happy new year. Yeah. Not sure. So we'll jump ahead a little bit to January 4th and this is when Anna was reported missing on the fourth by her employer. Brian apparently called the employer to say that he hadn't heard from Anna and police went to Brian's home at 6.30 p.m. that night to interview him. His story about Anna's whereabouts since January 1st was that she told him she had a work emergency and that she would have to fly to D.C. on the morning of January 1st. Brian said his wife left the house around 6 a.m. and got a ride share to the airport for her flight. This info about the morning comes from NBC Boston, and their article said that morning he said his wife got ready, kissed him goodbye, and told him to go back to sleep before leaving. He told police he woke up around 7 a.m. and made breakfast for the couple's three boys aged 2, 4, and 6 and left to run errands around 3 p.m. after a babysitter arrived at the house. He said he left again around 4 p.m. to see his mother, who lives in Swampscott. 
He said he got lost along the way, so the trip took him about 20 to 30 minutes longer than usual. Suspicious. <laughs> Within 15 minutes of arriving at his mother's condominium, he said he left to run errands for his mother at Whole Foods and CVS and Swampscott to get groceries and cleaning wipes. He said he went back to his mother's house and returned home to Cahasset around 8 p.m. Police investigated the Whole Foods and CVS looking at their CCTV, and they weren't able to find Brian in any of the images. Um, he was also unable to produce any receipts from the stores. So probably wasn't actually there. This is like part, I guess, the start of his ridiculous story. Like he did nothing yeah. to cover his tracks. He did nothing to make his story seem believable. He didn't even go to the stores. He just told them that's where he was, even though there were many ways they could check whether or not he yeah. did. Yeah, definitely not a, a true crime person. <laughs> Police pinged on his phone and found that it pinged in the area of their home on Cushing Highway in Cahasset on both January 1st and January 2nd. So that would be a red flag because this would have been after she was allegedly supposed to be going to D.C. Data from Brian's phone showed that it traveled to areas of Brockton and Abington during the week beginning January 1st. Investigators determined that Anna had a plane ticket for January 3rd, which she never used. She also never showed up at the airport or her job or the Walsh's D.C. apartment. It was also determined that no Uber or Lyft picked her up on January 1st, like Brian had said. Brian told police that on January 2nd, he took his son to get a chocolate shake at Press Juice, Press Juice Bar in Norwell. This was against the conditions of his house arrest. Even uh, Is he allowed to go shopping and all that? <laughs> Well, no, because then, like, so when he goes to get the cleaning stuff again, that's a, a violation. So I don't know. <clears throat> they must maybe have, like, a, um, I'm assuming, like, a radius where he might be able to go X amount mm -hmm. from his house. So apparently going to get this milkshake was not part of his conditions. But surveillance footage showed on that day, sometime after 4 p.m., he went to Home Depot in Rockland, where he purchased $450 in cleaning supplies, including mops, buckets, tarps, Tyvex, drop cloths, and various kinds of tape. He was also seen wearing a black surgical mask, blue surgical gloves, and made a cash, a cash purchase. The trip was also allegedly in violation of his probation conditions. So police issued a press release about Anna's disappearance on January 5th and just says, Chief William Quigley reports that the Cahasset Police Department is seeking the public's assistance in locating a missing resident who was last seen in the early morning hours of January 1st. It says that she was last seen at her home shortly after midnight on New Year's Day. Then it goes into her physical description. She's 5'2", weighs 115 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes, olive complexions. Is believed that she speaks with an Eastern European accent. So that brings us to January 6th. Um, a massive search, including canine officers, search and rescue teams, state police, and local police began that morning and continued throughout the day. Police said at this time that Brian was cooperating with the investigation. Then in a random twist, a fire broke out in a house on January 6th, and this house was one that Anna and Brian had lived in until a few months before her disappearance. So everyone surely thought that would have been connected to the case because it's like a really weird coincidence, but apparently that's all it was, was a coincidence. Still kind of weird, but... It's just the timing is weird when they're ramping up this investigation at that time and then a house where she'd lived, everyone's like, he must be burning evidence. You know, but apparently not. Police Chief William Quigley admitted it was a very strange coincidence. Well, I'm glad he agrees. <laughs> a spokesman for the Massachusetts Department of Fire Services said on Saturday that the investigation determined the fire started with a fireplace insert 
damage to the piping caused a fire inside the wall. All right. So the following day was January 7. A specialized state police unit training search and rescue operations worked with three K-9 teams and the state police air wing, and they searched wooded areas near Arna and Brian's house. State police divers also searched a small stream and a pool, but they didn't find anything. Later in that day, the state and Cohasset police said their ground search for Arna had concluded, which seems very, very quick to me. Two days of searching, you know, essentially once she was reported missing, there was a bit of a lag, but they really only searched for her for two days before they wrapped it up. But I feel like that's likely because they kind of knew where this was going to be heading possibly. Yeah, maybe because they started figuring out more with like the evidence they were collecting that we'll get to in a bit. So the next day was Sunday, January 8, and police carried out a search warrant on Brian and Anna's house. They found blood and a bloody knife. They took Brian into custody on this day after concluding that they had probable cause to believe he had misled investigators in the search for Anna. So Brian was arraigned on Monday, January 9, on the charge of intimidation of a witness for misleading police between January 5 and January 7 during the course of the investigation into Anna's disappearance. Prosecutors have said that various statements he made caused a delay in the investigation, which they said would have allowed him to either clean up evidence or dispose of evidence. He was ordered to be held on a $500,000 cash bail. Brian's lawyer argued at the time that he had been incredibly cooperative with the investigation and had consented to searches and gave interviews. She also argued against his hefty bail amount, saying that he already had the ankle bracelet and that he wasn't going anywhere. Well, clearly he just went anywhere anyway. So <laughs> I wonder if he, it seems like this is probably, well, I don't know, I shouldn't speculate, but it seems like it's a regular occurrence if he's doing all these things and he doesn't care, like going, you know. just Like does no one check it? Yeah, does anyone really not care? I'm, I'm interested to know. Yeah. So later in the day, investigators removed dumpsters from outside of the Swampscott apartment complex where Brian's mother lived. They taped off the area with crime scene tape and took the dumpsters away. So that same day, officials searched a dumpster station in Peabody, Massachusetts in relation to the case. The Norfolk District Attorney's Office said the search resulted in a number of items being collected and that those items are now subject to processing and testing. They found materials which apparently included a hacksaw, torn up cloth material and what appeared to be bloodstains. Law enforcement told CNN that investigators hoped to collect blood samples from Arna's sons so that they had a direct bloodline sample to compare against the blood found in the basement. They said those results could give investigators a result that makes an almost certain match to blood and a bloody knife which they found in the basement and the apparent bloodstains at the process implant. So we learned at this time a little bit about Brian's internet search history. We have since learned more, but this is kind of chronological. So at the time, we know that he apparently Googled how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body, and he also searched for information on dismembering a body. <laughs> so this is, you know. And as we know from the, the missing person thing is that she literally weighed was 115 pounds. Yeah. So on January 10, law enforcement sources told multiple news agents that investigators had recovered a series of cutting instruments during their search. The stations were WBZ-TV and WHDH-TV, so many letters. (laughs) They reported that investigators recovered a hatchet, hacksaw, rug and a garbage bag with blood, which they all believed were uh, connected to Anna's disappearance. WFX-TTV also said that human tissue was recovered during a search. That part reminds me of Jennifer Doulos because that's similar to what Fotis did where him and his new girlfriend Girlfriend. just kind of drove around town and threw out evidence in every trash ever. Yeah. Makes it so hard to find everything and, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like, see, I feel like that was a lot cleverer. What Photos did was Brian and Photos did some similar things, but Photos went about it in a much more intelligent way. Yeah, he just got caught on camera. Otherwise, <laughs> I think it would have been a little more difficult. <clears throat> so on January 10, Anna's friends Mike and Mandy Silver spoke to the media. They said that Anna had been in a rush recently to get rid of several assets before her disappearance. They said she sold her car and an apartment that they'd rented from her for four years. They say that the apartment buyer paid cash just days before Anna went missing. Mandy Silver said nothing is adding up and she told WCV... She told WCVB TV that Anna seemed different and the dynamic of their friendship had shifted. She said, over time, within the last six months, things started to get really strange with the Walshers. Anna was selling all of her assets in the Boston area, including our unit. Why are you in such a rush to sell our unit? It doesn't make sense. Mike Silver, who apparently worked in construction on their many properties, said this was very out of character for them. They never stayed at a property for more than a year, so I figured maybe they're running from something or hiding from something. I mean, she sold all of her properties and walked away with a lot of money. I guess this is kind of would go into like a theory maybe, but just bouncing off what this person said, I feel like it's not as like suspicious or criminal seeming as she's making it. I feel like like if you look at Anna's Instagram, she like hadn't posted Brian for a long time. She was like getting more secure in her job, becoming more successful, or maybe she didn't really need him anymore. Um, he seems like a loser. She was posting a lot of selfies, like looking really cute, feeling confident. And I feel like she was probably getting ready to like have Leave divorce him. him or something. Yep. She's got the kids, like she's probably trying to get it all set up so that they can leave or kick him out yeah yeah they were trying to make it seem like it's like this criminal thing going on but I just feel like she was probably trying to get her ducks in a row yeah so on January 12 more search warrants were served the warrants were quote impounded which means that they were returned and not available to the public when asked when or if the warrants would be unsealed the court said as far as I know they won't be so I will be interested to see if that ever comes out what they Mm -hmm. searched for but we finally got lucky in terms of recording and an update coming out in timing. On January 17, Brian was charged with Anna's murder, as well as with disinterring a body without authority. You are charged on the first day of January 2023 with assault and to beat Anna Walsh. To murder. Brian Walsh showing little emotion as prosecutors presented gruesome evidence, simply shaking his head as the prosecutor detailed days of internet searches on his young son's iPad, including January 1st, the day Anna Walsh was reportedly last seen. How long before a body starts to smell? Ten ways to dispose of a body. Can you throw away body parts? And is it better to throw crime scene clothes away or wash them among more than a dozen searches? There were also more Google searches on January 2nd. At 12.45 p.m., uh, Cap saw best tool to dismember. At 1.10 p.m., can you be charged with murder without a body? Anna's body has not been recovered. Today, prosecutors say they also have physical evidence of a crime. Anna's blood and DNA mixed with Brian's found in a dumpster outside of his mother's home. Along with the clothes Anna was reportedly last wearing, her Prada purse, necklace, and even her COVID-19 vaccination card. So Brian was arraigned today on those charges, January 18. The prosecution 
prosecution alleges he disposed of her remains in dumpsters because he wanted to end their marriage. So we've had a lot of questions on our Instagram about what the possible motive would be. I guess this now confirms that the motive is that Anna was essentially planning to divorce Brian. Prosecutor Lynn Beland said rather than divorce, it is believed that Brian dismembered, dismembered Anna and discarded her body. She also said and confirmed that they'd found some of Anna's belongings and blood in the garbage and that Brian had actually conducted more Google searches about dismemberment and disposing of the dead bodies. So he kind of mentioned too where he asked Google how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body and um, but some of the other ones and one of he the did other, a lot of research. <laughs> one of the other rumors I had heard, and it was confirmed today in the arraignment, is that Brian actually used one of the son's iPads to conduct these searches. So again, trying to be a little bit clever, but not. And some of the things he googled were ten ways to dispose of a dead body if you really me- if you really need to, dismemberment, and the best ways to dispose of a body. Can you be charged with murder without a body? Can you identify a body with broken teeth? And on December 27, he Googled what is the best state to divorce a man for a man. Some of the other searches he made, can you throw away body parts? How do you stop a body from smelling? How to clean blood from a wood floor? How long does DNA last? Um, how long for someone to be missing to inherit? Can ID be made on partial remains? And what happens when you put body parts in ammonia? <laughs> So ridiculous. Been very busy on Google. Um, insane. Like that is just insane to me. Really, that he thought he and was, it was going so to get away over with the this. top. Yeah, I just hope that the boys didn't see anything. It sounds like it was a very messy scene. If he did dismember her, I hope they didn't see anything. Ugh. Um, oh, my notes are gone. All right. We also learned today that CCTV captured Brian tossing heavy bags into dumpsters. And cell phone data showed he visited a dumpster near his mother's home in Swampscott. Some of the bags had been destroyed by the time police located them. However, the trash bags in Swampscott were discovered at the collection site in Peabody. And they did contain blood stains, cleaning equipment, a hacksaw, a hatchet, boots, Anna's Prada purse and her COVID-19 vaccination card. Meantime, prosecutors say cell phone data and surveillance video placed Brian Walsh at three other dumpsters in the days following Anna's disappearance. He walks to the dumpster carrying a garbage bag. He's leaning and it appears to be heavy as he has to heft it, heft it into the dumpster. Authorities say they believe that trash was incinerated before their search. Today, an attorney for Walsh saying in part, we shall see what they have and what evidence is admissible in court where the case will ultimately be decided. The state crime lab tested some of the bloody items in the bags and found DNA from Anna and Brian. So Brian pled not guilty and he's due back in court on February 9. Police haven't said if they found Anna's remains or not, but I don't think they have. They may have found, like we mentioned before, tissue. Um, I don't think that they're ever going to find her whole remains based on what it sounds like he did to her. Um, yeah. But I think they have, it sounds like they have more than enough evidence that she was likely murdered by Brian. Um, Anna's mother has spoken to the media a little bit and she did speak about Anna messaging her just before she went missing. She said Anna messaged her on December 25. She said, please, mama, come tomorrow. And her mother said, which means there clearly must have been some problems. So I have read that Anna's mother was planning to fly out to visit Anna, but I guess she didn't quite make it before she disappeared. Yeah. 
they interviewed, like, you know, in these cases, I guess a lot of people come out of the woodwork and want their 15 minutes. They interviewed a neighbour of Brian's mother, Diana, and the neighbour said, she was just a gorgeous woman from Serbia. I wonder why she went from him. No one, wonder why she went for him. Nobody can figure out his game. Hmm. Um, So that, I'll just double check there's nothing else that's come up in the last hour or so. So, yeah, we we were, like, I feel like what happened today was not sadly unexpected. Um, It was just a matter of time before they were able to charge him with murder. I wonder if she even ever bought a plane ticket for the flight that he was alleging she was going to take on January 1st. I think that'd be pretty easy to also be like, she didn't even have a ticket for that day. I feel like I've seen she had a flight booked on the third I think off the, the top third, of my head yeah. Said, yeah but I don't think I've ever seen anything about them being able to prove that she had actually planned to go on that day on the yeah. first it's very dumb <laughs> just to, just as kind of one thing to note too we've had a lot of people message us and ask what's happened to the children um, I know that after this, after Brian was arrested the first time, they were taken into the care of, I think it's Department of Children and Families or whatever that the, the system is in Massachusetts. They were under state care. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully there will be some family that can take them. I haven't seen, I'm assuming that Anna's family wouldn't want them to go to Brian's family anyway, but I haven't seen anything about Brian having siblings. I know he has his mother, Diana, but um, it sounds like it will have to be Anna's family because they're all overseas. That might be a bit of a longer process to get sorted, but hopefully the children will be able to be with some family soon. I wonder if it could have also been like, obviously it seems like she wanted to divorce him is what's being said or like, because he was looking up how long does it take to get money basically. Yeah, how long does it take I wonder to if it was, Yeah, I wonder if he, if it was like money motivated because from what we've seen, he spends a lot of money but doesn't really have a solid income and it seems like she at this point would have been making decent money as like a um, regional, manager. Man, regional general manager and I saw that the, the house that, one of the houses that she was selling that they were talking about, like she bought that house in 2020 and it was only in her name in like sold it so that would be her money also so maybe he's just like in desperate need for money or something because i I feel like not that i not that i know him obviously i feel like i can't see him even like not not caring about her but like did he really even like love her or was she just like another pawn to him to scheme and get money off of yeah i'm surprised it lasted as long as it did and that's why maybe i think maybe at this point you know she just had enough but she realized that she essentially needed to get all her assets liquidated and to be able to leave him but it seems like she was finally kind of making enough money to be able to do that and like feel secure whereas obviously she has three kids that she's take care of and it's easy to just kind of deal with it to have like a better situation for your kids at least money wise like if he's from a prominent family but also he seemed to be causing a lot of trouble at this point so yeah like I'm just looking at her LinkedIn now just to kind of like you can really see how she progressed. It says housekeeping attendant, then she was a server, then she went to a reservations manager, then she was an assistant manager at the Intercontinental, and then she kind of worked her way up from there. So I feel mm-hmm. like she would have been, it sounds, and she did all this too, working while she had three kids. It's a lot. Like she really seemed ambitious and dedicated. So um, it seems like she was maybe in a position now where she had a very steady um, you know, job and was able to provide for her children without Brian's help, even though he sounds like he probably didn't give her any help anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's 
sad that she was sounds like she was trying to set herself up to leave him and she didn't quite get there yeah it could also just be like a control thing which it normally is where he was losing control of her she was coming into her own and he couldn't stand that for some reason I just feel like it's I don't know I feel like from what I've heard he like just doesn't have feelings yeah and even like even when he's like and I haven't found much which I'm surprised about about him being in the facility for however many years like I wonder if she knew that surely she did I don't know it's I hope we learn more about kind of his um past as this case yeah I want to hear more from people who actually knew him yeah I haven't heard anyone come out and say anything glowing about him. Like I think we spoke about this in terms of Brian Koberger too. Hardly anyone's actually came out and said, oh, wow, I'm so shocked. He was a really nice guy. No one has come out and said that about Brian. Everyone said that he was really, you know, splashed his cash. Um, But more people have come out saying that he doesn't, wasn't a nice person or isn't a nice person. No, he just seems like a scumbag all around. Definitely. So, yeah, another story. About a scumbag guy doing scumbag things. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's sad. Like you know, and sometimes I feel like, and I, I shouldn't. This case is nothing like the Moscow case, I know, but there's some cases where things just progress as you expect, and that's what happened in this case. It was pretty clear from the start when Brian wasn't the one to report her missing, her employer had to remove her missing. Where this was mm-hmm. going to go? Yeah, and then he just really proved how stupid he was yeah so yeah he'll be back in court on February 9 so we will keep you posted we were talking before we recorded about if there will be possibly any updates the only update I can think is if they do find her remains or you know a lot of her remains Um, so if that does happen before we record we can put a clip in but I feel like there probably won't be unfortunately a whole lot to recover yeah all right but that is everything with this case up to current date we post about this one a lot on our instagram so if you want to keep up with it in a timely manner definitely follow us there at true crime society on instagram um you can follow our personal accounts mine is steph some underscore olivia's is tcs olivia and we post some some fun behind the scenes stuff if you want to see our pets peep who's always screaming she was screaming at the start today but then she left so <laughs> she must have gotten sick of it <laughs> Everything for this will be on the blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com. We always have a blog post for every episode we do with all the sources and everything. So you can check that out. And it's great when you guys post the um, podcast to your Instagram stories. It's a great easy way um, to help spread the word about the podcast. So we always appreciate when you guys do that. So please keep doing that. And leave us a review if you haven't. Subscribe, all that. Um, big help to us and check out our sponsors for this episode they're always linked in the show notes but i think that's it otherwise that's it all right well thanks for listening stay safe everyone peace out see ya